Welcome to Keeping Track, the Trackmania community podcast where I interview your favourite community members and ask them the same set of five questions. The guest this episode is Nualaic. We sat down after hosting Mini RPG of the Week to discuss the five questions and got thoroughly sidetracked throughout. Question one, when did you get into Trackmania and what was it that got you hooked? Thomas, I gotta tell you. It's a great first question. <laughs> you should consider asking more guests that as the first question. Um, I got into Trackmania, I would say it was pre-COVID. So time in since doesn't make any sense. So I'd say mm-hmm. five or six years ago, probably 2018, 2019-ish, maybe even 2017. Uh, and I think I'd been aware of the game just from, you know, I used to watch a lot more like speedrun content and stuff, you know, the YouTube videos that would be out and you'd see lots of random events putting up their speedruns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always really liked the Trackmania ones at those. I was aware of virtual videos and things as well over time then. But I never really knew how to get into the game. <laughs> it seemed it was anytime you tried to look up Trackmania, there were mm-hmm. so many answers. There's so many games at that point as well. And, you know, people were still playing Nations Forever. People were still playing, like, it, you know, if you're aware of virtual, like all of those videos were about here's the Nations Forever content. Um, so eventually, I actually think I jumped into a virtual stream. <laughs> I was like, hey, I want to get into this game. <laughs> what do I do? Uh, and I, at the time, virtual would have had less viewers, but he was still very kind. And so was the entire chat. And people were like, hey, uh, you probably want to start with like Stadium. Trackmania 2 Stadium is the one that people are playing the most of now. Um, and so, yeah, I downloaded Stadium. Uh, I got a couple of friends hooked at the same time because I'm nothing if not persuasive. And we just jump in and out of servers and you know play against each other, and it was a ton of fun. I, I it's a really similar uh, arc to me uh, in mm. regards to when you start watching content. You see, I'm not so much a speedrunning fan, but I'm a big fan of any stories about you know competition, particularly motorsports yeah. or you know e motorsports, sim racing, whatever you want to call it, related. And I had the exact same experience where it wasn't until significantly into TM2020 that I realized that there was a game between <laughs> Nations Forever and yeah. this game. Uh, when yeah. people get talking about TM2, I was like, is that just a colloquial term for Nations Forever? <laughs> uh, and then it, it was, wasn't until the, uh, the, uh, the episode with um, Zetorate where mm. I finally got TM2 Stadium. And because I'd played Nations Forever, because that was the one that i saw all the videos about exactly yeah downloaded the game and i was like this is weird this is like um in the middle of the two games what is this <laughs> uh and so that was uh that yeah. was really fun, um, it was fun. what was it then <laughs> when you were playing that got you hooked because you were quite motivated to play but struggled to get there uh, yeah. what was it when she started playing it was so i mean and that was like server community on tm2 stadium uh and my understanding is on the previous games as well but i don't have experience directly with them was and is very different how TM2020 does things. I mean, a lot of the mm-hmm. community stuff nowadays, as it does in most esports communities, coalesces around like Discord and stuff, you know, I mean, that's where people go for their community stuff. But at the time, obviously, Discord wasn't really around when that was being played. You know, people were using TeamSpeak still or whatever. I guess, you know, by the time I came onto TM2, Discord had been around for a couple of years. But everything was still very much you jumped into game and there was just you know lists of servers that you jumped into and you knew which servers you wanted to go to and they were very active like the the one that i used to jump into with friends was a french one called time to shine and like you could jump in at pretty much any time of day uh like whenever and there'd be 30 or 40 people online playing the maps on this server and you'd do like 15 minutes of time attack on a rotation of five maps throughout the week 
and the maps would change every week. And on Saturday before the change, they'd have like competitions on the five maps from that week. And that was what really got me hooked because, you know, I'd start playing with my friends. We'd jump onto these maps that we were all god awful at, right? <laughs> Just not good at these maps. But we'd be able throughout the week, you know, you'd be messing each other backwards and forwards, being like, ah, I just got a new PB on this track from the like rotation this week and competing against each other on those. Or sometimes you'd jump on on the same time, have a call, play against each other. And then Saturday would roll around and you'd manage to get at least a couple of you online, maybe a few of you if you were lucky. And you'd play in the competition and you'd be coming like, you know, 80th and 90th out of 100 players or whatever. But you just were getting beating one of by them. French kids. Exactly. But you were beating someone. And that was the main thing. Uh, so it was like that. That was it. You know, friendly competition, growing better at something alongside someone is always a really fun experience. Just competing against someone at your skill level, no matter what that skill level is, I think is enough to keep most people invested in things. I think, um, you know, we, we see TM 2020, but we also just see this as a general trend against uh, all games that have an esports background. The online mm. experience is more and more sanitized now, you know, dedicated yes. servers like the one you're describing. They're not so much a thing. Um, it's harder to curate those small communities um, mm. that you can compete with because, uh, you know, you're just saying like going on the same server and competing against the same group of people that are like vaguely related that's like something i remember from like call of duty 4 on the pc right like i would join a similar server whereas now like you just you just do you queue up ranked or you you queue up a, a server i mean when was the last time you played live rounds on a campaign track or something like that right like it's it's, it's just not really a thing um which has its pros and cons it's way easier to get into mm. now into trap mania but maybe there's not that depth that I mean, it, the, the thing is that like the infrastructure for those kind of servers is still there in Trackmania 2020, right? Like you can mm -hmm. have a server. I mean, all of the Evo servers still exist. Those moved over from Trackmania 2 Stadium and stuff. And, you know, they have their ice, they have their full speed and the rest of it. Like, you know, those were around. Uh, and like, maybe I'm misremembering it was just a different full speed server, but I think it was <laughs> Evo full speed servers, you know, like you jump into at times on Trackmania 2 Stadium. And like, like I say, like those servers still exist they're just not surfaced as well in trackmania 2020 as they were in the older games like the older games you open the game you get hit in the face with a server like that's where you go to play the game whereas as you say now there's much more focus on i think just games in general as you say having a curated experience like oh here's the mode that has been carefully built for you to go and play it, it's less of a little big planet 2 approach <laughs> where it's just like community build contest content for us we shall build it and they shall come. Yeah, you've now... We, we can't go on a little big Planet 2 sidetrack. That, we can't allow mm. that in the podcast. But um, <laughs> I, I have recently been playing Little Big Planet again. No! Uh, and, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just cute, right? It's great. It's a great game to play with kids. That's, so I mean, I just, like, this... That My no sounded very scripted there. Like, we've been talking about <laughs> it beforehand, and I brought it up knowing that you said that. But that was a genuine no of surprise. I was not aware of that. Dreams uh, also the sort of spiritual successor, the sort of acid version of Little Big Planet. Sure. Um, Never played it's, it. <laughs> it's it's crazy. I played a uh, a Space Invaders game. I do remember hearing about that though when it was probably E three. Uh, may it rest in peace or something. You know, it was announced mm -hmm. at one of those years ago, and they were like, "It's like Little Big Planet, except just legitimately a full on game dev tool set." It's bonkers. All right, this is full detour. Embrace it. Um, <laughs> it, it released at the end of the PS four. And it was like, That's, just wait yeah. a year and then be it and have it be <laughs> the game of the PS. Anyway, 
yeah very sidetrack here uh, you want to detour game. further because uh, uh, i read a very yep. interesting dev diary recently about the release of crash bandicoot on the ps1 Ooh. that one of the devs wrote in hindsight and they basically uh part of it was so interesting because it released on a brand new console at a time mm. when you know sony hadn't released one bef and they were working on it before the console released and they essentially broke all of the rules for development on the console. <laughs> like they essentially hacked Crash Bandicoot directly into all of the processors <laughs> on the PS1 when it was playing it, which they weren't allowed to do. But by the time Sony found out, it was far too late in development and they needed Crash Bandicoot to come out as the Mario rival because Mario 64 had been announced. Yeah, it's like, what are you going to do? Not publish the game? Yeah, uh, pretty we'll, much. Uh, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll do that. Uh, but anyway, to bring us... To bring us back mm. to, um, I don't know if you know this, it's a Trackmania podcast. Yeah. This part uh, is definitely making the episode. <laughs> 100%. I've, I've yet to cut a detour. I've cut actual right, content sorry. before I cut a detour. Um, <laughs> question two. Uh, as a player, uh, what input device do you use and why? I am a controller player. I play with my PS4 controller because uh, my lovely late grandmother got me and my siblings a PS2 when we were much younger, uh, a Platinum Slimline PS2, Ooh. the silver version. And uh, that sat up in my grandparents' house because we weren't allowed to bring it home. <laughs> my parents were very much like, you can play video games, but we don't want you playing too many video games. And I mean, well, see how that turned out. All right. Yeah. Uh, so lived up in my grandparents' house. We played on the PS2 a lot. A lot of Ratchet and Clank Gladiator, or just Ratchet Gladiator, I guess it was called. Banger of a game. Probably finished that about... 15 20 times with my brother in co-op yeah and uh yeah i've just been i've played with playstation my entire life then since uh, i've never been an xbox boy i even though i play most games on pc now i still am more comfortable with a controller plugged in i prefer games that i can play on controller that's uh that's good always love a fellow ps layout enjoyer mm. um mess me with that asymmetry layout uh i've yet to find a compelling reason um also a, a great pro tip there for any any prospective parents get them a mm. games console put it in their grandparents then you don't have to worry about babysitting the kids are want to gonna want to go there yep <laughs> they spend time with the grandparents that is genius level macro yeah. although i like you know parent. i mean you want to be careful because it's uh they want to go there and i'm air quoting with my fingers spend time with their grandparents right <laughs> Ah well, if they're not in the house, they're not my problem. Um, so uh, have you ever have you ever played? So is, that, is have you always played Trapmania with the controller? Uh, have you ever attempted? Yeah, I've order I've tried a couple of times. Like I had, I previously before this year, everything I did, I did on a gaming laptop. Uh, that's how I've always interacted with PC stuff. So there's been times when I was like traveling back from the UK on a ferry or something, where I'm just like, well, I have my laptop and I don't have my controller, so I guess I'll just try keyboard and things. But already. The situation was not ideal for playing games and so mm -hmm. i was not a very good keyboard player at most of those times was that a ferry trip or a plane trip that was a ferry trip that uh, is not so ideal. i was there for many hours yeah <laughs> yeah you're like i feel like the map is oh no i'm moving that's me okay yeah. cool yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> that is good yeah I, I i can't do keyboard not even, no, I'm, not, even I'm not good at it. I like, I can get gold medals and author medals on some like campaign tracks and things, right? But like, definitely not to uh, uh, nowhere near the same level as I am with controller. And I'm still not a great player with controller, if we're being totally honest here. 
it's a safe space, Nua. Uh, no one's no one's figured out how bad I am at this game yet. Uh, they're still <laughs> tuning in. Um, so, uh, question three: hmm. uh, What is your favorite Trackmania map in history? And I'm going to ask as you, as broadcast Nua, hmm. uh, as I think that will be a more interesting response. That's a <laughs> recency bias, you know. I mean, that, I feel like I'm having to struggle to keep that from kicking in because obviously a lot of my casting of the most interesting maps and things has been over the last few months in terms of competitive maps over the last year or so doing the world tour maps and things along the way uh i do actually have an answer as a player while i think about it as a broadcaster as well which is uh the one random map and we've already talked about time to shine i've laid the seeds do you see how great a guest i am when i was uh when i was playing on time to shine and i could not tell you the name of the map i couldn't even tell you anything beyond the fact that like the first five seconds of the map were two small little like up and down jumps over empty space and that was when i organically discovered that you could like release in the air to drop the car faster out of the air that you could actually control the car in the air and I just remember like typing in probably very broken French, like losing my mind in chat, going like, oh my God, you could just like how excited I was at like learning that extra little bit of depth in the game that I didn't know about. And I think that was also probably when someone explained air braking to me. And like, it was just that moment of discovery. I'm sure we've all had at the beginning of a new game when something just like clicks. It kind I of dis- slapped. I distinctly remember doing a bit of a diagonal once on a jump. And being yeah. like, ooh, that felt quick. Yeah. Was that, was that yeah. real? And then eventually I started watching more Trackmania stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's every jump for everyone. Ever. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm not as unique as I thought. Uh, also, by the way, if you are listening mm. and you are able to know the map that Nua is talking about there. But there's please, literally not a chance. It's like it was. phone in. Please text, do. Tweet. Uh, send me a DM on Substack. And I will interview you on the podcast. Like, regardless were... of who you are generally random a lot of the time like not very good maps from what i remember of them but like are i don't know how the maps were picked for that server but i think possibly were just you know built by some of the people who ran it sometimes or you know were just people sending in their own random maps that they'd made and uh they were generally like short like 20 to 30 second long maps i think as well so i'd be shocked if someone had any idea what i'm talking about well then let's move to the broadcast then uh, I'm going to say that one of my favorite events that I did any broadcasting for was uh, the Frontier stuff. Frontier is obviously being a mapping team who map yeah. a lot of RPG. They recently did Falling Turtles, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with, mm-hmm. uh, which was that kind of, uh, what's the name, like Fodian game, you know, where you, uh, what, was, what was the one with the guy in the cauldron getting over it? Yeah, people call them. Is it Fodian or Fossian? Absolutely Fodian. no idea. One you of the two. I don't know. With that style of game where the whole like jump king is another example, and then mm-hmm. uh, like there's been examples of it in Trackmania maps. It's very tall. You can fall, and there's no checkpoints. Falling yeah. Turtles was the recent one, but they also build incredible uh, RPG maps, and they did uh, that whole event with five RPG maps that they built. They were kind of like five minutes long each, as far as I remember, uh, and released them and then players raced on them. Uh, and I think Scandir probably won because, you know, <laughs> <Built different. laughs> because RPG maps. Uh, 
I would say some of those maps were my favorite, just in terms of like it was still relatively early in doing some of my casting stuff. And like I played a lot of those maps in preparation as well for casting that because it was like RPG and just figuring out what was difficult and discovering those maps was a ton of fun. Now, if you ask me to pick an individual one, I would say that is very difficult. But I think the one I remember playing the most, so probably stuck with me the most, was there was one in that pack that was very full speedy RPG. Okay. Uh, which sounds a little bit weird, but like it was a little bit hard to tell where to go. There was a lot of blind alleys yeah. and things, you know, trying to figure out where it happened. But when you played it correctly, it was a near full speed map for a lot of it. Uh, and that one was great. That uh, I could name the maps, but I can't imagine that will particularly help. You were correct. It Scandia. will. Scandia did win that tournament. Yeah. It... Uh, Eon 42, Scar, Jolden, Aura 7, and Obsidious. Uh, I It was, oh, it was a Jolden? Maybe. Ooh. Yeah, it was one of those maps. It was the one in the castle. If you know, you know. <laughs> if you know, you know. Um, what what was it that was it? Do you think it was partly due to the fact that just looking at the Wikipedia and and knowing mm. your experience as a broadcast, that's still a relatively early broadcast. It was, partly, newer? It, it was yeah, partly that. Partly it was kind of RPG maps, and I wanted to learn them as well. So I did just discover them blind. So I spent a lot of time on them as well, uh, because you know I'm an okay player but not a very good player and definitely not a very good rpg player so discovery definitely took me a little while uh but it was just a yeah it was just a ton of fun learning them and i also really liked the the scenery in them the vague threat of uh you know background story as well because there was a bit of a story behind those maps too you know like there was there was lore uh and i appreciate that you know that's always fun for me yeah, we've uh, we've had previous conversations about your fanfic book website <laughs> well, that you that you frequent. We won't li- that that was for that was for another time. I don't time. think that's that was true. Time. No, no, that was an accurate representation. Uh, question four, then. I'm uh, just going to bypass that so everyone can believe the me. artifact competition. God, I should have remembered that. I can't believe that. Just in case anyone was wondering, it was artifact with an e in the middle instead of an i. Yeah, not to be confused with the uh, terrible game release by Valve. Um, Correct. if you were to take part in a Trackmania Pro Am event. Which celebrity would you want to have on your team? This is a very difficult question for me in particular, Thomas, uh, because I do feel like I probably shade more towards the am side of it than most of your other guests. <laughs> uh, I feel like maybe a little bit of a fraud calling myself the pro in any kind of partnership in that case. We did um, have, was it, was it, oh, oh, oh dear. Was it import that avoided mm-hmm. the question and said he'd be a caster? Oh, I'm not allowing you to clever. do that. No, that's entirely fair. Yeah, that. because but... you do have the rule of unique answers for every guest. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I've listened and... to the podcast before, Thomas. Yeah, well, <laughs> one might say, one might say, you helped yeah. come up with the questions. <laughs> one could say that, but uh, I don't think they necessarily have to. It's implied. Anything you do is me holding you up. <laughs> um... <laughs> that's not true. Okay, I'm going to say uh, I would go for famous content creator because I think it would be just a lot of fun. Uh, Doug Doug. Ooh. Yeah. I love of, of the Doug Dog challenge. Of the Doug Dog fast food one is that is that the fast food one? Yes, yeah, correct. He did do that first, but I mean, he he's 
look, I don't want to evangelize for a YouTuber here because that's weird behavior. <laughs> mm -hmm. But like, yeah, exactly. Doug Doug's stuff is just all very entertaining. Uh, like everything he releases is a little bit different. He's obviously done enough variety stuff that I'm like, it'd be funny to see him try Trackmania as a game as well. Yeah. Uh, and I think the vibes would just be good, you know? <laughs> what do you think the Doug Doug Trackmania challenge would be? Because I feel like it's not but, just going to be a serious competition. He's going he's gonna to throw a bit of spice. Oh, this is the problem: is that every single one of his videos that I that you watch tends to just have some outrageous twist halfway through, right? Like the one recently that was ostensibly about like playing Mario, but you add more UI elements to the screen as it goes on, <laughs> which great. But also then, like, halfway through the video, it just becomes about the fact that his entire Twitch chat is going on strike. And that is actually <laughs> what most of the runtime is dedicated to, right? Like, that, it, I could not guess. That's the joy of it. That's why I'm picking Dog Dog. I just want to see what happens. I would love to see the chaos. You get halfway through the Pro-Am and you end up playing rocket races or whatever he the did new the entire stream league. recently and spoilers if anyone watches dog dog and hasn't seen what happened with the scramble challenge but it was a thing where he pretended to have an ai uh provide challenges to a group of guests including people like ludwig and squeaks and you know the like uh and then after four hours of this stream it turned out the ai had been germa the entire time <laughs> and also it was just to find a winning team of two so that dog dog and germa could challenge them to tennis out back so what's incredible is i'm a big fan of the yard so i've heard the other side of that story and now i've heard that side. so that's very funny yeah. to get to i get to ended up accidentally that. watching that entire stream as i like you know just clicked into whatever it was dog dog was doing before going to bed and watched for another three hours <laughs> it was i think it was great I think we're in a, a sort of a golden era of mm. um, those weird influencer events. Yes. Because like we've just come off the back of the volleyball thing that Ludwig did. Um, yeah. I know. Well, as my understanding is that there is uh, there was a company in the credits of the Dog Dog one because you know at the end of a big stream like that they have their credits just yeah. all the people responsible, and I think there is literally like I and company in LA that is behind like a huge amount of those because like that's what they specialize in is helping mm. influencers who have an idea for an event but not necessarily the know-how to like put together a production team and put together a location scouting and all the rest of that to mm -hmm. provide those services to them and i don't know what the name of the company is but i'm sure like a little bit of digging would find it and if you go on their website you're just like oh all of these big events i have heard about recently are these guys <laughs> That's it. I know Ludwig's got a, a production company off-brand, but maybe there's yeah, another yeah, one yeah, as well. yeah. No, like, and yeah. I, I'm sure I, I'm not saying they've done literally all of them. You know, I'm sure mm, people like yeah, Ludwig, yeah. where he does a lot of big events and stuff like that. I'm sure they organize plenty of that themselves. But for a lot of streamers, where it's a little bit that's a little bit more outside what they normally do, they normally sit in their bedroom in front of a camera. Mm -hmm. uh, there is this company that a lot of them work through in order to put these events on. Yeah, and I mean, we have our parallels, let's say, in the Trapmania community, um, where, you know, we're, we're, as, as, a, as a scene, we're trying to do more production stuff um, because of reasons. <laughs> yes, our equivalent is Deployer. Uh, yeah, and our equivalent <laughs> is Deployer, who does everything and is very kind and very nice uh, and, and allows me to occasionally do bits too. No, uh, but I think, um, uh, you know, being content creators that there were eras right there was uh, mm. very very individualistic do everything yourself very low production quality uh mm. then we saw brands get involved and you know those the sort of uh 
media companies that would buy up channels and oh you can still be the face of it but we'll do production and all of a sudden yeah. it went really badly because they're not endemic to the space and they don't really understand how it all works um and then there was maybe a bit of a lull uh and now we're at the point where i feel like creator-led companies are running other creators events and those are really yeah. interesting and we have parallels in not only track mania but in esports in general like there's more and more yeah, um no, of these more creator-led events you know the tyler one LCS or whatever it was called. Um, that <laughs> Wait, he did. Toast, for example, bought out a tier two League of Legends team in North America as well and immediately found success. And then I think essentially, I don't think he even subtweeted the entire scene, but was just like, hey, a content creator should not be able to come into this space and put together a winning team within the space of the season. Like, what yeah. are all of your academy teams doing? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, a real. Um... A real shout out to the value of being endemic in a space uh, and yep. not just uh, getting third parties to do it. But I'm sure that yeah. is not a heavily sarcasm laced statement towards any entities in the space. Um, <laughs> uh, question five, then speaking of one hot take, let's go into the other. Uh, what is your Trackmania hot take? Oh, I knew this question was coming. I should have prepared better. Oh, yeah, they were all like college up. exams already, all over. Yeah, this that. is true. This is true. But this is the difficult one. Yeah. Uh, While it's you're so thinking, hard. I can <laughs> I can use this to fourth wall talk to the viewer, mm. uh, to the listener. Listener, when I started this podcast, I did not realize this would be so timely. Every time I ask this question, it feels like something has recently happened in the community, and people feel the need to discuss it. That was not what I wanted to do. This was not meant to be a drama podcast. Anyway, back to Newer. <laughs> My Trackmania hot take is that. Uh, and the, okay, we're going straight into the drama since you mentioned it. Uh, <laughs> I, I genuinely do think that Nadeo being maybe less hands-on <laughs> with the esports community is probably a benefit to the actual esports community in Trackmania. Okay. Because. Why? Uh, <laughs> all right show your workings show you what uh, yeah, yeah. uh specifically because uh and i've talked about this in other places before back when you know we were doing the cup of the day podcast and things one of the major strengths of track mania is the insane variety of styles that it has mm -hmm. right uh and unfortunately just because of the nature of a developer-led esports league um showcasing that variety of styles was not particularly feasible right like you they needed a level of stability that you need a it to run the kind of league they were trying to run with the the grand league in the world tour you need you know the same names coming back week on week you need to be able yeah. to attract teams and things like that which just means that it's like oh well we can't just have a full ice map we can't just have a full dirt map a full speed map whatever in rotation so without a league that has those kind of demands for much more mixed style maps for kind of a more traditional competition format. There is much more room on the calendar where, you know, World Tour is not taking up all the air in the room for people to run larger events that appeal more specifically to a certain style. And I think that can kind of only be a benefit to Trackmania Esports. I... I definitely agree. Um, mm -hmm. I like where you're coming from. Uh, mm -hmm. I think I, I, 
almost definitely have discussed this previously. Um, it's having that the depth, topic at the moment, yeah. <laughs> it's the topic, right? Maybe even in the last episode and the episode before that and the episode in the sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not that hard to take is the problem here, Thomas. <laughs> That's yeah. the main reason I didn't want to use it is I don't feel like it's a particular, it feels like a very lukewarm take. But I think we, I mean, there's still room to explore there. I think mm. what you kind of have to look at is that TMGL and TM cl and world tour and everything that we've 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 literally been working on but um you, you yeah. more than me over the last year has a has a map style that for the most part isn't replicated anywhere else yeah it's which is kind of a bad sign mixed style yeah oh, it's very here, unique mix. Let me it's to got... add to why okay, okay i'll make this take hotter uh Ooh, seething it will be good for the scene because it will actually force players into the spotlight, which TMGL and Trackmania World Tour ultimately failed to do. That's a good hot take. Because uh, if yeah. you now want to market your event as an individual tournament organizer, if you're trying to drum a pipe and there is space, so people will try to create tournaments, you know, we will build it and they will come and what Nadeo have built is a wide open field that anyone can throw an event into at the moment. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, if you're trying to then get people to watch your event, if you're trying to, you know, run a successful event, then it's based around who's playing in it. And you're going to be trying to push who's playing in it. Hopefully, tournament organizers will learn from Nadeo's mistake. And it was a mistake. They failed at any point to do interviews with anyone. They failed to actually push content with the players and the yep. marketable faces of their leagues. And uh, people can learn from that. People should learn from that. I'm very optimistic that people are going to learn from that and actually use that in their tournaments over the coming year or whatever. So to knock this back at you, mm. my own uh, hot take, which um, maybe I should say for a, a theoretical future episode, where sure. we might do roles reverse. Um, <laughs> I think the players need to be more open. I think we have experience working on BITM events where the players mm -hmm. are for the most part very, very open. But across the whole scene, it is difficult to get the players to do things. This is true, times. but like, <laughs> yes, but for the so world the opposite tour, of improv. For yeah, exactly. No, but <laughs> uh, for the world tour, I mean, there were absolutely player. You had Scrappy is just the example I'm going to use. Is the easiest example of what I'm talking about in Challenger League who streams regularly, who is a very open book in that sense, right? Who I have no doubt has the equipment to film a promotional something or the other from his bedroom. Uh, if you wanted to run an interview segment, if you wanted to get him on after a match, it could not have been difficult to do that. Bren openly does interviews all the time and is a lovely person to chat to. I've done interviews with mine before, who you know is maybe a little bit more reserved than Scrappy or Bren, but is still a really interesting interview interviewee. And like, it's maybe a case of, hey, yeah, we're running a smaller tournament or we're trying to get them on a podcast or whatever it is, that there's maybe a little bit less incentive. But if you're talking about something that is for the main league that they play in, that is the focus of their competitive experience at the moment, it's hard to see how many of the players would have turned that down. And even if a few players turned that down, there were what, like 32 players across the top two leagues in the in, in World Tour? Like... Some of them would have given inter interesting interviews and sound bites. Like some of them should have been the face of the league, and yeah. they just kind of weren't. <laughs> yeah, I think if you if you just have a like a think, how much have we heard from Pack this year? 
right? Not, yeah. not he was in the he was. How much have we heard from Carl Junior? He's a multiple-time world champion, and like he was not. The League of Legends World Championship Finals happened recently, right? Faker won his fourth title. Spoilers if anyone has not seen <laughs> that news, <laughs> and you care. But like you know, I mean, he is the undisputed goat of that game, and for all of the push around the lead up to the world championship was the full storyline was is faker going to get his fourth world championship and it was heavily pushed there was a teaser right before the finals as well you know faker talking about my third title was for me my fourth is for my teammates like banger i nearly wept when i saw that right and like by contrast i barely heard anything from carl all year right like and that's not carl's fault that's nadeo like not platforming their players and uh yeah i thought I, i've been open about that all year long i said i thought it was a mistake i wished we'd done more interviews like post-match and things as well because that's a very easy thing to do if you're just looking for the simplest way to platform your players is get them to jump on a voice call after winning a match <laughs> yeah and i do I, I want there's a brand risk in that you know it goes without saying we, we've done a lot of that with no, the <laughs> We've done enough with BITM. No, and, I know. But that's, them, uh... Yeah, but that's BITM. That's players yeah, who are not yeah. also playing for an org and putting their yeah. own careers at risk if they say something, right? Like, yeah, no, sure there is, but also I refuse to accept that there is a substantial brand risk when you are talking about players playing at the top. And like, oh. look, even if there's a little bit, like, why was Massa not getting on, like, broadcasts and stuff? Like, that, that dude would have said something. He would have said anything. And it would have been great for ratings. Yep. Uh, I mean, there were uh, rumors of what was in the uh, the players' contracts uh, for a few things in regards to what they can and can't say. Uh, <laughs> but we won't talk about that. Uh, so maybe they didn't want to have them on because maybe they didn't have much else to say. But no, I I, I agree with that. I hope uh, what comes out of next year in particular. Uh, mm. A, it would be nice to know what is happening next year. Uh, but yeah. I hope what what it is is that the players um, fully embrace their roles as ambassador for the game. Yeah. Um. I think we've I've mentioned it before, but. There's a lot of tournaments that go on that have big name players and the tournament will get significantly less viewers than if mm. just one of those players were streaming. Yeah, yeah. And that's I, a real I, problem. If you want to boil down my hot take then, it's that I think a lot of tournaments are going to pop up next year and that they're going to live or die based on their success of platforming and giving a voice to the players who are playing in that because that and those storylines are what are going to drive people to watch them. And uh, I think fundamentally... Some of them are going to do well and a lot of them are going to fail at it <laughs> because it's it's uh, not a very difficult thing to do a bit of, but it's a hard thing to nail. Yeah, 100%. Um, and uh, we will see how those tournaments do. Um, you know, we are involved in some, so hopefully the ones we're involved in will do a good job. Um, but uh, at the same token, hopefully the players will embrace it too because it's always mm-hmm. good to to hear from them uh, and, uh, and see what they have to say, uh, particularly during tournaments. I think that's quite interesting. Um, you know, there's a lot of post-game stuff which is fun but from week to week as as players practice and and and, you know prepare for certain things uh, i think that's almost where the best things are there's less emotion from a post game you get to hear from people who perhaps aren't doing as well post game you tend to just hear from people who have won people who Mm -hmm. want to happy uh whereas listening to the players who are maybe struggling or who have come off a, a bad week 
um, could be uh, could be quite enjoyable uh, on that one. Uh, you but we'll leave. Masochist. You'll leave. Well, you know, those are that's that's what's more. I mean, right? no, that that is live sports. I mean, listen, like as much as it feels like a guilty pleasure sometimes, the camera shot of someone weeping as their team loses a final or something like there's a reason directors throw it in there. Yeah, like does Faker's fourth world championship matter as much if we haven't seen him like in tears on a stage when Yo. he's failed? Also true. Did you know? Uh, side tangent here, Thomas. Yeah, um, League of Legends tangent. There is no, 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 no. There's a. This is a television sports broadcasting tangent. Okay. There is a like dude it. called Andy Sidaris, uh, who, not really famously, but also made a bunch of movies that I'll let people look up in their own time. Uh, they're not. <laughs> they're not that bad, but they're not particularly. Uh, oh, I can. Great yeah, movies. I can see the. I can see the. Sure, the you can covers. see what yeah. they're mm -hmm. called. Sure, uh, but he had a long and successful career in sports broadcasting before that, and this one dude is responsible for most of the things that you see in modern sports broadcasting. He's responsible for replays, for slow mo replays. Uh, and most importantly, maybe, definitely not importantly, and kind of weirdly, he's also responsible for the honey shot. He pioneered multiple things, but one of the ones that always gets brought up is the, the honey shot, which is where they cut away from the action to an attractive woman in the crowd. <laughs> That's that dude. And he, he's won, like, I think he won a lifetime Emmy for his, you know, for the work he did in improving sports broadcasting as it became more and more of a thing over the course of the the last 50 years but also he has some weird parts to his legacy <laughs> yeah I'm, i mean just looking at his director role here uh mm. i'm looking at five six seven eight nine I... ten ten films yes so his first 10 films none of which or his yeah. most recent 10 films none of which got above five stars no uh not a great but legacy also but... okay to further divert into this tangent, he mm -hmm. he directed all of those and made all of those with his own money and with his wife, which people didn't really pay attention to at the time, because like you've just seen the covers of them there. They are, and I'm sure the audience can kind of picture, like they're a specific type of woman featured in them a lot of the time, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but people have reevaluated a lot of those movies over the last like decade or so, because at the time they were just dismissed as junk, yeah. as trash, as kind of misogynistic. And people have looked at them and been like, hang on, but like, it's the female characters who literally do everything in the story most of the time. Like, in terms of like, sure, there's still a lot of just call it eye candy. Uh, there's a lot of uh, things going on for the male gaze in those. But in terms of like the writing, in terms of like how the female characters are actually presented, like they're presented as capable, like the most capable people in the story a lot of the time. Uh, and people have kind of gone like, hang on a second. Was Andy and his wife, were, were they making like decent kind of vaguely <laughs> feminist movies? Now, Nua, I challenge you to bring mm. this back to Trapmania before we wrap this up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what I'm saying is that I am the Andy Sidaris of Trackmania, and we will be introducing the honey shot, but instead it will just be cutting away to a random polygon figure in the crowd right as cars <laughs> are about to cross the line. Yep, I call that the mini RPG of the week, season three finale <laughs> special. Yeah, that's what I was doing. That's what I was having a ton of fun with. Uh, thanks a lot for coming on the show, Nua. Mm. Um, I'm sure uh, people already know uh, who you know a lot of what you've done. Um, mm. But it'll be nice to give people this glimpse into your, uh, let's say, eclectic background 
and conversation <laughs> topics around uh, this episode. <laughs> uh, I don't want to get too uh, too sappy. Is that the word? Um, sure. But I've always thought that you know we we joke. You joked earlier about everything I do. You you've backed up. <laughs> um, but uh, in in regards to Trap Mania, everywhere you've gone, you've seemed to drag me with you. Um, whether it's uh, the the World Tour stuff or doing Mini RPG of the Week stuff, and I always appreciate being on this wild ride. Uh, and I look forward to more many misadventures uh, in the future. And uh, uh, hopefully, listen, that's hopefully uh... go well. That is the secret. If anyone's listening and they're wondering how do you get anywhere in terms of like, hey, I want to do a bit more stuff in the esports space or whatever. I feel I, I want to, I want to get involved a bit more. The answer is, if you actually want to get involved, you find the capable people you meet along the way and you <laughs> hang on to them. <laughs> you drag them with you and you make sure they drag you anywhere they go as well, and you make sure those relationships stick. It's. Uh, and Thomas, I gotta say, you're a pretty capable guy yourself. And if they're name deployer, you take someone they love <laughs> because we cannot lose that absolute god of a producer. Uh, this is true. Yeah. <laughs> on... God bless deployer. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, on that note, thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, is there anything that you want people to know that somehow we haven't covered in yeah. the last sort of 40 minutes? There is. Uh, I'd like to cover the fact that I haven't gotten a final question. That's a great point. <laughs> it's all 40 minutes on the thing oh no <laughs> I'm very grateful that you're it's you because most guests wouldn't have known there was a hidden yeah, question yeah. right Noah uh -huh. the final question mm -hmm. was would Noah notice if I didn't add it no um, <laughs> right so we, we, we've spoken at length today about your your uh, love and joy of, of Trackmania mm. uh, but those that know you mm-hmm know that you have a dark secret mysterious past oh. that you often leave Trackmania for and it's called Rocket League oh. so oh. I would like to know Nua if you could only be involved Trackmania in broadcast <laughs> of Trackmania or Rocket is it Trackmania? Uh, it's an interesting one I, I, <laughs> I get paid better doing Rocket League stuff I'll just say that up front uh, mm -hmm. there is more money in the Rocket League scene but I wanted to do Trackmania casting for a long time before I actually managed to shout out to Bads over in the British Irish community specifically the Irish side for letting me cast the Irish Open Cup <laughs> which was the first uh, Trackmania cast I ever did but like even for years before that I'd been like oh I'd, I'd love to try casting some Trackmania and uh it's just so much fun, honestly. Like, it's a relatively... Uh, this is going to sound egotistical. It's an <laughs> easy game to cast, purely in the sense that it has, like, very defined rhythms. And I've said this to people in person. I've said this on other things before. But, like, there's a very defined rhythm of, like, casting a round of Trackmania where, like, you build up to when the cars cross the line and then you come back down. And it means it's very easy to get a rapport going with someone as well. And it's just so fun. Like, I genuinely mm -hmm. just, I, I love the format. I love the people I've cast Trackmania with as well. That's not to say I don't love the Rocket League people. I've brought half of them over to Trackmania with me <laughs> at this point. Yeah, half uh, of the Russian team. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if I, I, I'm lucky enough that, you know, I work a full-time job as well, that, like, my casting is something I do on the side. I'm lucky that the money of it then isn't a concern for me. So if I had to stick with one and I had to pick, I would probably stick with Trackmania. You hear that, Rocket League? He's ours. 
do better. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I also like the idea of you look down and you're like, which dev is supporting their esports the most? And you look, oh, neither. Cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell. <laughs> Thanks a lot for coming on, Nua. Uh, I'm not giving the opportunity to say anything again. I gave you that once and you threw it back at me. Uh, but thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, for those listening at home, you may have some familiar voices in the next episode doing different roles. <laughs> thanks for listening to Keeping Track. To listen to other episodes of the show, you can find our Substack at www.nodal.media or you can search the show on your preferred podcast apps. You can follow the show on Twitter at Nodal Media and even follow me at A. Thomas Davis. Next week is going to be in between Christmas and New Year. And if you don't mind, I might be taking that week off. But we'll be back in the New Year with a special episode, which I've slightly hinted at in this episode. And I can assure you it'll be a good one to listen to. Thanks for listening and see you next time.